this very special Sunday, uh, we, if you haven't noticed, want to do things a little bit differently today. We want to take a moment to celebrate. I believe celebration is a discipline. And like I mentioned earlier, even when you don't have that miracle yet, we practice, we practice celebration. We practice uh, a spirit of abundance, knowing that God will supply all of our needs according to his timing, according to his glorious riches. But I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that with God, the best is yet to come? Do you believe that today? If you do, can you say yes? Do you believe that with God, the best is yet to come? There's no question right now, we can say it. We're in a difficult moment. We're in a difficult season. And it's a season of loss. We've lost a lot of things. I know we are privileged in many ways. I, I get that too. But we have experienced loss. We've experienced grief. We've had a season of isolation. Yet as Christ followers, I want to remind us today that we don't grieve like the world grieves. Right, right Lindsay? We don't grieve like the world grieves. We grieve not as a people without hope. In seasons like these, our hope is with God. And because our hope is with God, no season, even if it is a season of grief, is a season that is wasted. That God has a plan and a purpose for you in all seasons and in all things. I'm reminded today of Paul's word to the Romans in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. That's waiting on a promise. That's waiting <laughs> That's waiting on the glory that is promised to us. It's not even worth comparing the difficulties of this moment to the glorious riches that we will inherit when come, Christ comes in glory, when Christ returns for his church. But the question remains, how do we follow Jesus in moments like this? In the seasons that are hard, that are slow, that are painful, that feel barren. I think we need to do two things. These are two disciplines. We've been talking about disciplines in this season. Two disciplines we need to embrace. First is the discipline of dreaming big. But secondly, we need to remember to purpose small. Let me explain to you a little bit what I mean by dreaming big but purpose small. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. And he asks them this big question. Who do you say that I am? We know that up to this point, Jesus has concealed his identity. In fact, when he heals certain people, and by some instance, by some happenstance, they understand who he is, he tells them, don't tell anyone. You know, go away, keep this to yourself. But today, he asks them, who do you say that I am? And Peter, who is the impulsive one in the group, who sometimes impulsively blurts things out that are dead wrong, and then there are other times where he gets it dead right. And these are one of those moments where he, he gets it dead right. And he says to Jesus, he says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And Jesus both affirms and blesses him for this answer and says to both Peter and the group of disciples, he says in Matthew chapter 16, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I mean, talk about a dream big moment. 
this revelation that Jesus has revealed, I am the Messiah, the anointed one, the one promised to you, the one who would come to bring liberation and salvation and all these things that you have hoped for for generations, I am he. And not only that, I am entrusting you with the keys to the kingdom. Do you remember what it was like when your parents first entrusted you the keys to the car? <laughs> that feeling, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm free. Now imagine Jesus flipping the keys to the kingdom to these disciples and said, here, the keys are yours. And he says, I have given you the authority to bind whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. This is spiritual authority. This is a big moment. And I'm sure with this big moment came big dreams from these disciples. I imagine they had big eyes. Imagine, what could this mean? What could possibly happen in our lifetime? What are the things that we will see? You know, this is a pretty big moment. It reminds me a lot of what it was like when I was 15 years old and me and a couple buddies decided we were going to start a rock band together. Anyone ever start a rock band? You know, we rode our bikes over to Dave's house because... Dave had the drum set, so that made the most sense. Couldn't carry the drums on the bikes, so we just decided to go to his house. I brought my bass guitar strapped to my back. My other buddy brought his electric guitar. We spent an afternoon in his bedroom dreaming about what this rock band would be. We came up with a logo, a name. I forget the name. It was probably terrible. I, that's a pretty much a guarantee. We had cover art for our first album. We discussed how we would handle our, our newfound fandom and financial you know, freedom that we were going to achieve with this rock band. But the thing we forgot to do was practice. We didn't play any music. We didn't write any songs. In fact, two, year, two weeks later, the band broke up after an intense argument over who would have to get to be the lead vocals and who would be the backup vocals. That was that. We were done. Just went our separate ways. We have big dreams, but we struggle to purpose small. We see the big picture, but we struggle to take the small steps that are necessary in order to achieve those big dreams. And Jesus engages these disciples in a dream big moment. I imagine they're like, wow, the keys to the kingdom, spiritual authority, that Binding and loosing, and but Jesus says, I first want you to see something. I want to invite you into something. And this is what he says just a few verses later in Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone gain in exchange for his life? You know, Jesus says, I've given you the keys to my kingdom, but before, you know, before you have the keys, I want to invite you into a single step of purpose. And that purpose is to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow me. In fact, this is not the very first time Jesus has done that. In fact, anytime there's a big moment with Jesus, a miracle, a salvation, a deliverance, the crowds have this, has this, have this desire to leave everything in that moment to follow after that big moment that Jesus has just delivered. But in fact, every moment where Jesus engages in a moment like this, he reminds them to purpose small. He reminds them of the cost to follow Jesus. How do we purpose small? I want you to think of the word seed. The word seed, which has the potential. Every seed has a potential, doesn't it? Every seed has the potential to bear fruit, to grow big, but it begins in a very small seed, and it comes in a very small package. 
What has the potential to become big, but starts very small? Denying yourself has the potential to become big, but starts small, doesn't it? You know, following Jesus always begins with self-denial, which isn't a denial of who you are necessarily. It's a denial of, of your old self. You know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's the opposite of what Peter does on the night that Jesus is betrayed. Peter says, I don't know that man. But to deny yourself is to say, because I know him, because I love him, I don't know this man. Or I don't know this woman. I don't know the old self that lives in me because it has been crucified along with Christ. I've taken up my cross, which is, not to, which is to say that there's no price that I won't pay. There's nowhere that I won't go. There's nothing that I won't do in order to follow Jesus. And in the world's eyes, there was nothing more insignificant in that moment than somebody walking on a death march towards their, their death with a cross on their back. To take up their cross was to sling that piece of lumber upon your shoulders and to engage in what is a death march, a march towards your death. You know, we've taken up our cross and still to this day, the world sees this taking up of one's cross of denying yourself as being insignificant, you know, or even ignorant, like just outdated. But John chapter 12, 23 to 25 reminds us that truly I tell you, Jesus' words, unless a grain of wheat, a seed, falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it will produce much fruit. To follow Jesus, we need to dream big. Right, Nicole, you always say to us as a prayer team, don't offend God with small prayers. Don't offend him. He's a big God. Don't bring to him small, tiny, little prayers. Bring to him big prayers. Dream big, but purpose small. Let me share one last story with you from Jesus' life. We see in the book of Matthew, a crowd of thousands are following Jesus because they heard that he can do big things, big miracles. Yet they've got a big problem on their hands. There's not enough food to feed this increasingly hungry crowd. And the disciples see the size of the problem. They see the size of the problem, and they think that the solution to the size of the problem is that they need to get to a supermarket. (laughs) Let's go out and buy food. But even if we went out and bought food at the supermarket, we wouldn't have enough. We wouldn't have enough money. We wouldn't have time. They're focused on the size of the problem and think that the solution is found in the supermarket. But Jesus sees the solution found in a seed, in an offering. And that offering is found in the boy who denies himself his lunch approaching Jesus and saying, you can have my lunch. These five loaves, these two fish, in my hands can feed me lunch, can give me a delicious lunch, can nourish me for a few hours, but in your hands, maybe they can feed many more. Maybe they can feed many more. You see, in God's hands, the obedience of the offering is always greater than the sum of the gifts. We can often think that either what I have in my hands is so big, it's so significant, it's so awesome, that no one else is allowed to have it but me. I earned it, I did it, I achieved it. Or the other side is we think that what we have in our hands are too small, and God would never want me, what I have in my hands to offer. It's just so, it's nothing. I've got nothing, I've got nothing to show for it. I've got nothing in my hands. God wouldn't want it. But I want you to be reminded today, God isn't so concerned with the size of your gift. He's concerned with the size of your faith. 
the size of your obedience, the size of your love. Jesus says if you have faith the size of a, of a what? A mustard seed. If you have faith the size of a seed, you can say to that mountain, moved and it will be moved. Same way Jesus said in Matthew 14, 18 to 20. Bring them here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. And they picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. Church, we all have something to offer Jesus. You all have something to give him. Every single one of us has some sort of bread and fish in our hands, in our possession. But today, in your hands, your time, your talent, your treasure, if it stays in your hands, it will be nothing more than just lunch for you and your family. But if you entrust what you have in your hands to God, into God's hands, that same time, that same talent, that same treasure, when given to God as a seed offering, an offering of self-denial, of bearing your cross, in God's hands can do immeasurably more than you and I could ever ask him or imagine he might do. These disciplines, really, in some, are the spiritual practice of stewardship. We've been talking about spiritual practices all month, haven't we? This is stewardship. It is recognizing that what is in your hands is not a result of what you've done, but what God has done for you. It is a blessing. Your career is from God. Your earnings are from God. Your family, your children, your spouse is from God. God has blessed you with these things. And as stewards, we, we shift our mindset from being owners, that we are the ones who produce these, achieve these, have these, to seeing ourselves as stewards, as one who receives, but then is called to release back to God, knowing that at the end of the day, it all belongs to Him, doesn't it? I mean, what does God not own? It all belongs to Him. So here is our build your house purpose step for 2022. I want to encourage you to return to God the first 10% of what you receive and release it back to God as a tithe. And we often look at the size of, size of the amount. Don't look at the size of the amount of the percentage. Look at the size of the seed, the size of the offering, the size of the faith, of the dependence, of the trust. So we return to God the first 10%. Number two, return to God 1% of your day. What if you return to God just 1% of your day by spending it with Jesus and engaging in the practices of Jesus which help us to follow him? For those of you who are good at math, and I'm not one of those, I had to do a little calculation on my Google. That is 15 minutes a day. I think we can all find 15 minutes to return 1% to Jesus. Of course, we can give him so much more than that. But if you're not at 1% yet, what if you started with just 1%? Let's be stewards. Let's be stewards of all God has entrusted to us. Let's dream big, but purpose small. Pastor Sarah, you guys can return, and let me just pray. Lord, in this season, we will not grieve without hope. We have hope, Lord, knowing that through this season, God, we, Lord, know that you are working in ways that we don't know and that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing to the glory that is going to come and be revealed to us in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we wait upon you, God. We trust you today. Lord, I pray that every person here, Lord, looks in their hands and sees what, God, you have given to them. Lord, and we would dream big. Lord, I know that there are many here who have big dreams. 
of God of what you might do in them and through them. Lord, let us not stop dreaming. Let us not stop imagining. God, let us just celebrate, Lord, the fruit that is going to come from this church. But Lord, let us the purpose of all. Let us not forget that we, we see the miracle and the provision by taking small steps of obedience, of denying ourselves, taking up our cross, of discipleship. Lord, we want to be stewards, Lord, in this season. The stewards who see everything that we have as a, as a gift from you. And then our response, Lord, is to give back to you that which you've called us to give back to you as an investment of, of faith, of a seed, an offering. Lord, we, we bless you today. In, in your name we pray.